there are some things that cannot be purchased for money. A multimillionaire was reported to have said that he would give a million dollars for a normal, that is a healthy stomach. Well, wisdom cannot be purchased for money either. If it could, then every wealthy person would be wise. But how is wisdom really acquired? Stay tuned. We'll see. Welcome to Steps to Life with Dr. John Grossbaum. Sabbath rest is a promise between God and His children. Bible prophecy tells us that we are living in the last days of this earth's history before Jesus' second coming. Today's program will help you prepare for these coming events. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining us before we study about how wisdom can be acquired. Let's pray that the Lord will guide us by His Holy Spirit as we search His holy book. Father in heaven, we thank you that there is a way that has been opened so that every one of us can acquire wisdom even if we are poor in this world's goods. And we pray that your spirit will teach us that way as we study now. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. We'd like to send you a free book entitled Spirits of the Dead. To receive your free gift, simply call 1-800-THE-TRUTH and ask for offer PRV2. Have you ever wondered where the dead are? Psychics claim that they are in communication with the dead. Can we really count on them? What does the Bible say about the dead? Call 1-800-THE-TRUTH to receive your free book. And now, Pastor John Grosball. In the second book of Proverbs, the wise man, Solomon, talks about acquiring wisdom. And this is what he says about it. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of His saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. What is this wisdom that the wise man is talking about? Notice what Jesus talked about knowledge, the knowledge that would last. Notice what he said in John 17. He says, This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Notice, if you get to know God, the result will be that you will have eternal life. That's John 17, verse 3. And God has given a book so that you could learn to know Him. In the Gospel of John, the 5th chapter, and verse 39, Jesus said this. He said, 
search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. And when the Apostle Paul was writing to a young minister in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, he said, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that's for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Notice also what the Apostle Peter said about this same subject. In 2 Peter 1, verses 19 to 21, he says, We also have the prophetic word made sure, more sure, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawn and the morning star arises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. If we were obedient to God, then we would begin to understand the plan of His government. As Solomon wrote in Proverbs 2, we just read, he says, when you cry out after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, when you seek for her as for silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. It is not enough for a person to just read the Bible through sometime in their life, supposing that a casual knowledge of its principles will bring about that transformation of character that he or she needs. We are not sanctified by truth that is not practiced. The Apostle Peter talks about this. He said, you have purified your souls in obedience or by obeying the truth. 1 Peter 1, 22. Jesus talked about some people who receive the seed, that is the Word of God, among thorns. There are many professing Christians today who are so engrossed with their worldly cares that they have no time for the cultivation of piety. They do not regard the service of God as of first importance. They ignore Jesus' plain instruction when He said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, what you need in this world, will be added to you. And so there are many people who claim to be Christians. They claim to have received the truth but they do not overcome their on-Christ-like traits of character. These on-Christ-like traits of character are like thorns that grow and choke the precious graces of the Holy Spirit. The thorns in the heart, the on-Christ-like traits of character must be uprooted and cast out if we want to have eternal life because good and evil cannot grow in the same heart at the same time. So, when Jesus was here, He saw that human beings were absorbed in getting gain and they were losing sight 
of eternal realities. And so he undertook to correct this evil, to break the spell that men's minds were infatuated with, that was paralyzing their soul. That's why Jesus said here in Matthew 16, he said, Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, they had lost sight of the better world, the nobler world. They were not beholding eternal realities. And so... Jesus takes those that will listen to him to the threshold of the infinite. And he shows them the treasure that is there. The value of the spiritual treasure that is found in the Bible is more valuable than gold or silver or the riches that you can mine from any mine in this world. Because this is wisdom that will last unto everlasting life. This is the treasure that is found in the scriptures. The Bible, then, is God's great lesson book, His great educator. It is the foundation of knowledge. And above all else, the Bible contains the science of all sciences, the science of salvation. So if you practice its precepts, it will be to you life and health. The problem in our generation is, Jesus said when he was here, Luke 6, 46, he said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? If you are going to acquire wisdom, you must be kept from that which will destroy you spiritually, physically, and mentally. And that's why when... Solomon began writing the book of Proverbs. In the very first chapters, he gives several cautions about what would end up destroying you. Notice what he says in chapter 2. He says, Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut down from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Did you know when you read the Bible, you find that the children of Israel, after they had been wandering for almost 40 years in the wilderness, just before they entered Canaan, the devil made, made a way to destroy thousands of them by seducing them into licentiousness. Just before they entered the promised land, 
the devil succeeded in destroying them by licentiousness. The same thing is happening today. We are living in the last days of earth's history. Just before the people of God enter the promised land again, the heavenly Canaan, where they will be given eternal life, the devil is seducing many of God's servants again all over the world through licentiousness. How is he so successful? Stay tuned, we'll see. Sometimes studying the Bible on your own without any help or a guideline to follow can be a little difficult. And after confusion and frustration set in, we all too often turn to other things. If this sounds like you, you're not alone. The Steps to Life Bible Correspondence School is just the answer. Call 1-800-THE-TRUTH and ask for your free Bible Correspondence Starter Pack. I really enjoy being able to study at home. I'm a new Christian and I definitely knew I needed some guidance. Simply review each lesson and answer the questions. These studies were great. It just seemed like the Bible opened up for me. Then send the completed lesson back to us in the envelope provided. These studies were very professional. They didn't take a lot of time and I really appreciated that. A Bible teacher will then look over each lesson and send them back to you with the next set of studies. It's that simple and totally free. Call Steps to Life Television at one 800 the truth. I'm so glad I called. Welcome back. Just before Israel went into the promised land, we read in Numbers 25, 1, it says, Then Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. Verse 3 says, So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. And verse 9, it says, those that died in the plague were 24,000. The same strategy that the devil used then, just before God's people entered the promised land, he is using it on the Christian world today, just before the second coming of Christ. The Israelites could not be overcome by force of arms, but they were overcome by seductive enchantments. They fell prey to harlots. Such is the power that women enlisted in the service of Satan can exert to entrap and destroy souls. The wise man said in Proverbs 7:26, she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. This was the way that the children of Seth were seduced from their integrity, as you can read in Genesis 6. The result was a worldwide flood. The whole world became corrupt. This is the way that Joseph was tempted. Joseph overcame the temptation, as you can read in Genesis 39. This is the way that Samson betrayed his strength and the defense of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. This is the way that David stumbled. And it was here that Solomon, the wisest of kings, who had three times been called the beloved of God, became a slave of passion and sacrificed his integrity to the same bewitching power. The Apostle Paul refers to this experience of the children of Israel that we just read about in Numbers 25. Notice what he says about it in 1 Corinthians 10, 11. He says, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, on whom the ends of the ages are come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. 
No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. The devil well knows the material that he has to deal with in the human heart. He knows because he has studied with fiendish intensity for thousands of years those points that are most easily assailed in every person's character. And through successive generations for thousands of years, he has worked to overthrow the strongest of men by the same temptations that were so successful 3,000 years ago. All down through the ages, we see in the records of history the strewn wrecks of character that have been stranded on the rocks of sensual indulgence. And as we approach the close of time, as we are upon the borders of the heavenly Canaan, Satan will, as of old, redouble his efforts to prevent us from entering the goodly land. How does he do it? Well, here's how. Number one, he uses worldly friendships and charms of beauty. When people get together for pleasure-seeking and mirth, feasting, and the wine cup, the use of alcoholic beverages, in these situations, then the devil tempts people to the violation of the seventh commandment. Sensual indulgence weakens the mind and debases the soul. So that a person's powers are benumbed, his conscience is benumbed and paralyzed. He doesn't comprehend his obligation to the law of God. He doesn't appreciate the atonement or the value of his soul. How did the devil seduce them then? It was by associating with idolaters, joining in their festivities, that the Hebrews were led to transgress the law of God. So, if you are associating with the ungodly for worldly pleasure, uniting in their amusements, you are placing yourself in a situation where the devil has been successful millions of times in seducing people into sin. So the Bible says, you read it in your own Bible, 2 Corinthians 6, 17, the Lord says, Come out from among them, and you be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean. That's 2 Corinthians 6, 17. God requires of His people now as great a distinction from the world and from its customs, habits, and principles as He did of Israel in ancient times. The New Testament is just as plain about these things as the Old Testament. Notice what the Apostle John said in 1 John 2.15. He said, Love not the world, neither the things in the world. If anyone love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The Apostle James said the same thing. He said, The friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. 
the followers of Christ then are to separate themselves from sinners, choosing their society only when there is opportunity to do them good. We cannot be too decided in shunning association with those that are living in open sin. The Bible does say in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. But how can we pray that prayer if we are not shunning temptation as far as possible? When the Israelites were at a time when they had outward ease and thought they were secure, they fell into sin. They failed to keep God before them. They neglected prayer and cherished a spirit of self-confidence. And as a result, the citadel of the soul was left unguarded and debasing thoughts found entrance. It was the traitors within the walls that overthrew the strongholds of principle and betrayed Israel into the power of Satan. This is still the way that Satan seeks access to you. You see, a long preparatory process, unbeknown to the world, takes place in the mind, in the heart of a Christian before that person commits open sin. The mind does not come down at once from purity and holiness to depravity and corruption and crime. It is by beholding that we become changed, the Bible says. If you are indulging in impure thoughts, then you can educate your mind so that eventually what you have thought about, you will be willing to do. And the devil is using every means possible so that we will be familiar with every manner and uh, all kind of sin. Because you can't even walk the street in a city today without encountering flaring notices either of some crime to be presented in some novel or to be acted out in some theater or in some movie house. If you don't have time to go there, you can look at it at home on your television set or look at it on the Internet. And so the mind of people today is educated to familiarity with sin. The course of the base and the vile is kept constantly before the people in the periodicals of the day and everything that can excite passion is brought before people in exciting stories. The devil uses things like the drama which he has used for ages, for thousands of years to excite and glorify passion and vice. Also the opera with its fascinating display and bewildering music the shows, the dance, the card table, gambling places, in other words. Satan employs all of these things to break down the barriers of principle and to open the door to sensual indulgence. The Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence. That's what it says in Proverbs 4, verse 23 because out of it are the issues of life. The Bible also says in Proverbs 23, 7, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. People are gathering for every kind of pleasure, and pride is fostered, and appetite is indulged, and people are led to forget God 
and lose sight of eternal interests. And in those places, Satan, Satan is binding his chains upon their souls. Are you trying to renew your heart on your own? You will be in vain. You will find that it is impossible for you to become pure without the grace of Christ. David prayed a prayer that is appropriate for all of us to pray. He said, Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The Apostle Peter talked about it. He said that God's children are kept by the power of God through faith. You can read that in 1 Peter 1.5. Now, we can only become pure through the grace of God, through the power of Christ. That is the only way the heart can be made pure and the mind can be a place where pure and holy thoughts are only indulged in. But we have a work to do to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. If you do not want to fall a prey, a victim to Satan's devices, you and I must guard well the avenues of the soul. We must avoid reading, seeing, or hearing that which will suggest impure thoughts. The mind cannot be left to wonder upon any subject that presents itself. The Apostle Peter wrote about this in 1 Peter 1, 13-15. He says, Girding up the loins of your mind, be sober, not fashioning your, yourselves according to your former lusts in your ignorance, but like as He which called you is holy, you yourselves be holy in all manner of living. That's 1 Peter 1, 13 to 15. The Apostle Paul talked about it too. In Philippians, the fourth chapter and the eighth verse, here's what he said about it. He said to Christians, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Friend, how is it in your life? Are you praying day by day for purity? Remember the Bible says, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's Matthew 5, verse 8. Israel's sin of sexual immorality at Beth Peor, Baal Peor brought upon them the judgments of God. And the same sins may not be punished immediately now as they were then, but they will surely meet the same retribution because the New Testament says in 1 Corinthians 3.17 that if a person defiles the temple of God, their body, God will defile or destroy them. It is not just what happens to us in this present life, but it is at the day of judgment the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5 that those that do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5, 21. How is it with you, friend? The wise man said, None that go to her shall return. Her guests 
are in the depths of hell. We'd like to send you a free book entitled Spirits of the Dead. To receive your free gift, simply call 1-800-THE-TRUTH and ask for offer PRV2. Have you ever noticed the number of books and movies that center around the theme of the dead people coming back to life? We hear of dead loved ones visiting family members and deceased persons visiting homes where they previously lived. Psychics claim that they are in communication with the dead. Are all these things possible? Where are the dead? Is there consciousness in the grave? Can we really contact them? What does the Bible say about the dead? Does the Bible give clear answers to these important questions? To get your free copy of Spirits of the Dead, call 1-800-THE-TRUTH. That's 1-800-843-8788 and ask for offer PRV2. We hope that this sermon has been a blessing to you. We would love to hear from you. Our mailing address is Steps to Life, P.O. Box 782-828, Wichita, Kansas 67278. You may call us at 1-800-THE-TRUTH. That's 1-800-843-8788. Our email address is historic at stepstolife.org. And our web address is www.stepstolife.org. May God be with you as you seek to walk the narrow way.